This week on the show, we have Antonio from Merlino Games, creator of the new stealth action revival game, Undetected. And if you're enjoying the show and want to help support it, make sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Kojima Freak. It's kind of amazing. You know, this is, um, maybe this is kind of a dumb question, but uh, how big has the outpouring of support been from Metal Gear fans for Undetected? Uh, yeah, not, no, not very big. <laughs> uh, so... Yo, it's Apache Smash. Hey everyone, this is Days Ahead. And I'm Nitroid. You're listening to the Kojima Frequency. Uh, the, the, the main thing I, I think is, I, I always wanted to market it as, it kind of has some Metal Gear-ish feeling to it, but it's not Metal Gear, but the, the publisher really want, wanted to lean on the Metal Gear side of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, it, uh, we got a bunch of like hateful comments or just backlash, like you're just copying Kojima or you're just like, you know, this is a clone and whatever. And it, and it makes sense because some of the stuff is straight up copy, like, you know, leaning on against the wall or like knocking or like the camera angle. Yeah. But I wanted, I wanted, like, even before I started, I, my idea was like something that feels like Metal Gear in the sense of the setting, the music, the mood, but it actually plays differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think mostly when I, when the demo was out, a lot of uh, people who were expecting a Metal Gear clone got mad and sent like angry comments and stuff like that. <laughs> and then... But that also helped just just like weed out those people. And once the game released, the 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 response has been very positive, mainly because they know what to expect now, right? So they know it's not the exact clone that that it looked like, or or it doesn't even play the same way. And so so yeah, it's a mix. Like the first time I posted it on on the subreddit for Metal Gear, uh, people were very positive. The second time I posted it, I just got a bunch of hateful comments and like downvotes. So it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a gamble. <laughs> it's a gamble. It's a gamble. Very I fickle think, beast, yeah, the Reddit community. Yeah, that's also it. Reddit, you know, it's different. And on Twitter, everyone was very nice. Uh, on Steam, it's a mix. Uh, but yeah, no, like I think that the the response to the demo is what what wasn't that great. But once the actual game came out, everyone has been very nice. And you know, good reviews and everything yet. So really, it's just sort of been a misunderstanding of people thinking it's one thing, and it's really you know you're you're going your own direction with it. You're not trying to copy it. I mean, that's that's kind of uh, how it seems you go is that you'll look at certain ideas in like retro experiences, and then you'll kind of take them and go, okay, like what kind of spin can I put on this? What what new direction can I take it in? And that's and that's what you're doing here, like. One of the one of the things I thought was interesting about Undetected is it's completely non-lethal, right? Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. First, I, I I said you know how much can I make as a solo developer with basically no budget? Later, I got a publisher, so a little budget, and and uh, as my second game, so I'm not that experienced. Like, what can I reasonably make? So I can't make Metal Gear, and even like the simplest one. But I but I saw, for example, I've played. I played a, a game called Volume. I don't know if you yeah, played that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've played a hell out of Volume. Oh yeah, and so I played it, and and I had fun, but I also was like, 
it's missing like you know it's that that game is all like the VR missions and so it's very bland looking and samey like every level is and so I thought something like that maybe I can make but with actual you know in in actual locations with an actual simple story at least that was my 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 first approach you know and so so that game also is inspired by by Metal Gear but it's it it is its own thing and so I said okay I can do that and I mixed in other things that I like from other games so so there's this game Aragami that I like that's a stealth game or Mark of the Ninja is another one both of them have this sort of uh, hiding the shadows mechanic that is not as detailed as the one in Splinter Cell games it's just about just if you're in the shadows you're invisible if you're out of them they can see you and so I said oh maybe I can mix that in and for example uh you know, I, I'm sure you, all of you are like this. Uh, once you pl- start playing Metal Gear without the radar, the flow changes. I feel like when, when you have yep. the radar, it's, it's more about dodging the cones of vision of the cards. And when you don't have it, it's about like, you know, you walk a little bit, you pause, you use first person to scout and then move a little bit more. And mm-hmm. then, so I wanted that kind of gameplay where you sort of, Scout the area, walk a little to the next safe zone, and then wait and scout the area. That kind of and so so yeah. I, that that's also why I think uh, with the demo, people expect it, and I still get those comments. Not like, how, when are you adding a radar? It's just like it's not the, that type of game. It's different, you know. It, this one's more about slowly, little by little, uh, you know, getting through each room. For example, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I'm kind of paraphrasing because I'm probably gonna. If I try to quote it, I'll get it wrong. But I remember uh, Tim Rogers once writing something to the effect of Metal Gear Solid, the way you play it with the radar. It's essentially Pac-Man with more steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, and my previous game, is it doesn't have a radar or anything, but the logic was, I, I, I saw that, what, what you said. I also read that about Pac-Man. And when I make my, made my other game, it's just basically Pac-Man. And I feel like stealth games in general are, are either Pac-Man or uh, sort of like a platformer and the shadows are the platforms, right? Yeah. So you're going from shadow to shadow. And so I chose, this time I chose like, okay, let's make one where you're just basically going from shadow to shadow, which is the safety. And then the light and the guards are sort of like the pits in a platformer. And you're doing this pretty much like almost entirely yourself too, right? Like what what percentage of of, you know, let's say undetected is just you? Yeah, so, so... I don't know, 90 maybe. I don't know how to put yes. a percentage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so there's, for example, a, a couple of animations that I got from the internet, like one where the character, where you flip a guard, you know, the classic Metal Gear thing where you punch a guard and you flip them. Uh, I got them from, from a pack and the running animation, stuff like that I got from packs. Uh, sounds, I don't like make them from scratch. I just get other sounds and sort of mix them together. Uh, and some of the, the character designs, I worked with a, with a, with a concept artist and he, like, I would, uh, tell him my idea, he would draw it and then I would turn it into a 3d model. Uh, that's, ah, and the music it's half mine and half some, uh, friend. There's also a couple of people who, who, people who helped me make models, do props or like the plants in the jungle, stuff like that. And I want to create them also. Yeah. Other than that is, yeah, it's mostly me, uh. It's a it's a lot of work and it's a small game, right? It's three maybe four hours if you take your time. Uh, oh no! Also the cutscenes, the the concept artist also drew them. The the cutscenes are like sort of like a comic book, not really like Peace Walker, more like 
Max Payne in the sense that they're just static images. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, and and that's it, yeah. I think a lot of people, too, sort of underestimate how long it takes to make even a short game. Yeah, it's wild. I also, I also I, when I started, because I, I, I haven't been making games for, for that long. Yeah, it's, it's, you can't imagine. Even just going from, from uh, something that looks finished in the sense that you can put it in a trailer to the, an actual finished thing is, no, it's, it's so much. Jeez. How, how long did it take you? This, this one took 10 months. Uh, one thing, yeah, also I will, I would say, uh, about the previous question. Uh, one thing that I wouldn't count of making it on my own is QA. So, so for stealth game, just games in general, you need a lot of testing and a lot of fresh eyes on it and, and just testing and testing, not just for bugs, but for fun. And especially in stealth games, cause you gotta make sure each area can be finished and a, and a person with like who's brand new to the game can finish each area. And so I got lucky because for my previous game, I, you know, I have friends testing and whatever, but for this one, the publisher did get a lot of people testing it. And up until the last few weeks, I was changing things, not just fixing bugs, but for example, in the game, when you're in the shadows, the character turns black and white to indicate that you're invisible. No one, no one could tell that he was black and white. And so, but uh, right, I like even after the demo came out, I changed it so that he has a tattoo that glows in the dark, and and that kind of thing. Those kinds of things are like so important. Yeah, that kind of visual feedback for sure, definitely in a, in a yeah. stealth game helps out a lot. Yeah, and because you're making it, things are obvious to you, but it might not be obvious to someone who's unfamiliar with it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the things that I before making these two games. Uh, I had never thought of is for a stealth game, basically they're information games, right? Once you know the layout, once you know the guard patterns, they're so easy. And so when you're making it yourself, you place the guards and you place the walls and everything. So you know exactly how it is. So I was like, this game's so easy. How come people are having problems? With it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> but but the, the problem is, no, it's because they don't know where the guards are going. I know that now. I know all of it, right? And so, testing was a, a lot of work. I mean, everything's a lot of work. But this style, for example, this type of graphics with pixelated textures and whatever, that part is easy. You know, relatively easy. Not easy, easy, but you know, you can take photos yeah. and shrink them, and that's it. Yeah. There's kind of. I mean, we've talked about it before in previous episodes, but there really has sort of been a renaissance of retro games, specifically games that sort of fit the ps1 you know in that late 90s low poly where where the textures and the mechanics are doing the heavy lifting yeah so so part of it is the age of the people who are who are making i'm 34 so so i grew up with those there's even people who are like 22 21 whatever that that also like that style very much because they well the ones i've talked to is you know their older brother maybe play those games with them when they were very little. And so it gives them these, this sort of nostalgia. The, there's another angle to it that is like, it's kind of like a crutch uh, in the sense that it's, it's manageable for a small team or for a solo developer. It's easier to do that. Um, uh, it's a crutch. I say it's a crutch when they use it just to hide ugly art because making one that's PS1 style, but actually looks beautiful, is still very hard. You know, Metal Gear Solid or 
Vagrant Story. Those are really beautiful games. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. Right? You look at the textures and they're like hand painted. And even if they're tiny, they, they every pixel is perfect. You know, even this classic thing where like Snake has no eyes, but he has this little shadow. That's so well made. And so, so some people use it as a crutch. And I think that's why it's also popular right now. But, but actually getting it right is super hard. Yeah. That, you know, it's funny because we kind of had that in our notes was one of the questions was like, you know, a lot of people lean into this aesthetic and style and, you know, in the late 2000s, it was sort of that, that pixel eight bit, um, eight bit platformer type genre. Nowadays, it's like Nitroid described perfectly sort of, uh, uh, games that rely on the heavy lifting with the textures and the gameplay. Um, so with that being said, you know, um, do you adhere to some of those limitations when leaning on to that aesthetic? Do you want your game to still, you know, have the type of limitations that um, like a PS game, PS1 game would have? Because I do remember a, a kind of a unique criticism, an arguable criticism for those indie platformers were, hey, you know, you're trying to lean into this aesthetic, but you're giving yourself a full color palette to use. Whereas 8-bit games were only limited to like eight colors. Um, you know, yeah. is there that type of standard, you know, with this type of era that you're recreating? Um, do you really adhere to that standard? Um, and if so, you know, what steps do you take in your process to make sure that you you follow that standard? Right. So so for my first game, yeah, I leaned into it a lot more. And so I had the the low resolution textures, but also the low resolution game and the vertex like wobbly vertices. On the, on the models. Just to huh? make sure, we're, we're referring to the chameleon, right? The chameleon, okay, yeah. Just, okay. Yeah, so so that one leaned a lot more into that. Uh, mostly because I, when I started making it, I joined this community of people who make games like that. They make horror games. I think for, for them to stick to the limitations, it actually enhances the horror a little because your brain sort of like fills out the, you know, the details are like, you know. So my first game, Chameleon, yeah, it... It was closer to the limitations, but still wasn't uh, completely, you know, accurate. Especially the lighting, because it's really hard to actually uh, match those limitations with Unreal Engine. Like, yeah, Unreal Engine doesn't support vertex lighting anymore, does it? No, not at all. And and if you hack it in some way, you can only have four lights at a, uh, at the same time. So oh, so that God. was very limiting. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other thing is, when I started that game, I I wanted it to look like uh, the Half-Life en- engine, Gold Source, it's called. I wanted to match that, but I was too new and I didn't know how to do it. And then I was like, okay, second second uh, option is the PS1 style, which is certain parts of it are easy to mimic. And so I, so if you see Chameleon without all the PS1 stuff, it just like looks like low poly with fancy Unreal lighting. Uh, <laughs> and then for Undetected, I didn't have it. Uh, the goal to match the PS1 at all. The only thing that I had is it was more like a emulated PS1, <laughs> you know, because I, I saw someone posted uh, uh, some screenshots from MGS1 and 4K and it looked beautiful. And I was like, okay, what if I just focus on the textures, make sure the textures are the best I can make? I'm I'm not like the the best gra- graphic artist, but like I'll make the best textures I can. And the rest I'll just, it's just rendered normal, like not normal, modern. So it's higher, like the game renders in high resolution. The only thing that's, that's low resolution is the textures. I have fog, I have lights, I have all of that. Um, and so I wasn't 
uh, trying to uh, emulate a style. It was more about giving it its own style, which has that, because it was the same idea. It feels a little like Metal Gear, but it should also communicate that this is something else, right? Don't expect the same thing. I'm not trying to copy it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I do like that analogy. It's it's not like a PlayStation game. It's like a PlayStation game running on an emulator with an upscaler. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. that's how a lot of people are doing it nowadays, too. That's sort of the gold standard for playing classic games. Um, I yeah. am curious, though, with, with how you mentioned sort of uh, the age groups of people who are leaning into these styles. Um, with With the audience so far, have you have you noticed that it's more people of that age group or do you, are you seeing people of younger age groups getting interested in it? Yeah, yeah, I think also that it, it has been more successful with younger people. I think because That's awesome. I mean, yeah, this yeah, yeah, that's that's the dream. But but I think it's also because they, they don't have that nostalgia to compare to that much at least. They have some of them or a lot of them have played Metal Gear Solid One, but it's not like they played it when they were kids. It, it's it's more like they played it five years ago or two years ago, and so yeah, it's just some PlayStation One game. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Aha, to them it's just like oh yeah, I've played it, and I'm okayish at that, so I'll play this one. And or a lot of a lot of people who 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 like it is also stealth game fans, not so much Metal Gear fans like exclusively, but more broad. And so they they. They don't come with with that like strict like hey you don't have a cardboard box this sucks yeah you know and so and and also they're they're younger because they they and they're sort of like uh, digging through all the games they can find that the do stealth right and so in this case they appreciate it just because it's a stealth game not not so much because it's inspired by something else. There's not a lot of stealth games these days either. It's really really hard to find it. There's just been sort of a lull in that genre. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say it doesn't sell very well <laughs> uh, compared <laughs> Which is to a other. Shame. That's well, well done, Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, I know, but yeah. but people people just get frustrated of that type of gameplay where you have to wait and and a, a small mistake. But it's fun. Oh, I love it. <laughs> just just don't wait. I right. know, but <laughs> just uh, Rambo. Yeah, look, who's talking? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, but but also that that the thing we're waiting, and then if you get caught like getting super tense trying to fix it, a lot of people don't want that. I don't know why, but I love it. Yeah, Hesitation I mean, I hesitate. Is defeat? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, which I learned from a sort of stealth game. Um, but yeah, and the the other thing that it's hard to sell a stealth game, also in the sense of showing it off or marketing it. Because trailers where you're just sneaking are not very attractive to people and things that are dark, because people are just scrolling no? Down through t Twitter and, and if they see a dark yeah. image of someone hiding in the shadows, they, they don't care. They need colors. And a trailer also they, needs action, right? My trailers are also always like, you know, the first 20 seconds are hiding and the rest is action. But once you play the, play the game, you're like, there's barely any action here. And so it's hard to sell also. And that's why... Mm, you know, there's not that many. And I, I would say the last thing is that since AAA has relegated stealth to like a secondary, you know, thing you can do in their games, uh, I think that also contributes to people like the general audience not knowing about stealth and then 
smaller developers not even trying to make any because it's it's a lot of effort for little reward. Yeah, the the precedents that still exist, like you said, in these larger games, stealth is the afterthought, so the mechanics aren't fleshed out and sophisticated, complicated, thoughtful stealth just isn't a thing these days for the most part. Yeah, I mean, it's usually like, just I, like a, a mini game. Like, yeah, like, I hate that. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be a quick little section, and then you're like, well, that was the, the stealth section. <laughs> the like, Spider-Man you're, um, I hate oh, to yeah, say Mary, it, but Mary like, Jane. <laughs> maybe it requires a little too much thought, and that's why people don't like it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't uh, really... Also, I, it's like... Sorry, go ahead. I didn't, I didn't really think about that as a unique challenge of promoting a stealth game. The fact that it, it, it that's just super interesting to hear you say that that it's difficult to to market and make a trailer for. Um, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's. I'm trying to solve it in my head now. <laughs> when you made that comment about you know how you know your trailers like it, you, you have to make them jam packed with action, even though that's sort of like the like logical opposite of you know your gameplay design and it made me think about that one mgs1 trailer where like the line of c4 is exploding in the hangar (laughs) yeah that yeah that 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 was my example i was thinking to 999 bullets or just infinite ammo in that trailer yeah (laughs) you want to know a funny little bit of trivia yeah yeah always um the the MGS2 trailer, that very first one where Snake is is running out of the exploding tanker, mm-hmm. they did the same trick. But you've got a but you don't see the C4. You've got to listen for it. And if you listen in the trailer, you can hear the beep beep click 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 like <laughs> over and over and over. So they're doing the same thing, but they make it seem like it's the tanker that's just blowing up. So oh, that's clever. Uh, it's so funny. Yeah. Even like in the Red Band trailer, like when like. The for MGSV, like when Snake's doing all the sneaking around, even in this, they're like speeding up the sneaking around. Like <laughs> something right, they really yeah. noticed before, they're just like they just like speed yeah. up the tape a little bit. But but that's kind of a uh, you know a the MGSV is proof that you can sell a stealth game and make it successful. Now, to be fair, yeah. MGSV has some of the most fluid combat mechanics, pretty much ever, but. It's still at its heart a stealth game. Yeah. 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 That's it allows for stealth like yeah, like no yeah. other. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I yeah. guess maybe the the key here is that you just need, you know, a five hundred million dollar budget. I mean just yeah, yeah it's easy. It's so, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> and no one wants to commit if they can make something else that's cheaper and sells more, you know? Uh one one uh uh you you were talking about the trailer with the fast forwarding. My first trailer had that. Mm-hmm. For the same reason, right? I thought like, oh, that's actually ah. a clever way to, you know, fast forward the waiting. So I put that in the trailer and I started getting a lot of comments about like, oh, that's cool. A stealth game where you can fast forward. They thought it was a feature. Oh, in the no. Game. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, no. And, <laughs> and for, for a while, a lot of a lot of the comments were that. Yeah. <laughs> a oh, lot of the no. comments were. <laughs> that's so, depressing so. on two levels. Never underestimate yeah. how fucking stupid people are. Like, <laughs> <laughs> never ever underestimate. I I I, I was tempted to add it. 
because I thought like, okay, maybe if people think that's what they want, but then I was like, no, no, I make tiny indie games. No. I'm going to make yeah. what I want, not what they want. Yes. Just, Don't make you know? what they want. Make what you I want. I saw, oh my God, this reminds me of a tweet I saw today and I relate to it both as like a product manager and a, a gamer, but it was like uh, games if developers took all of your feedback and it was like a pizza with one half chocolate sprinkles and M&Ms, and the other half had olives and a rotisserie chicken. And, uh, I'll put that in live chat. That's great. Yeah, that's about right. You no, know, I've never done anything like this, but I just believe that if you like, if you compromise your vision for what other people want it to be, you'll never know if what you wanted to make was good or not. Yeah, because you changed to make some there, something else. There is an argument to be made for slight compromises. Uh, to increase the appeal of something, in in a in a perfect world, yeah, don't ever compromise on your on your vision. You know, if you're trying to make art, but at the same time, you know, consider feedback. Though I guess there's there's difference between compromising and considering feedback and going, huh, maybe this is a better idea. Yeah, yeah, I think you you do have to uh-huh, be open and listen to others because you you get like blinded by. I don't know. I don't have ego, but like you're blinded by yourself saying like, no, no, my idea is the best. And and if they don't like it, they're wrong. So I am open to that. And I think everyone should be, but I also learned like from my, my first game, the chameleon is weird. It's really weird. It's really janky and buggy and it's just weird, but it's also very, very me, you know, it's like the things I like, it has seventies music and it's set on the moon and it's the main character can transform into things and has a super punch. It's just weird. And so what I learned there is, you know, if I like it, there has to be people who like the same things as me. And so, so something that I've seen recommended, and I also recommend people is instead of, you know, trying to make something to appeal to a general audience, you make something for yourself and try to find people like you and sell it to them. Right. I show them. And yeah, that's what happened with Chameleon. There's a, a bunch of people who love it. Even if it's buggy or janky, they, they get it, right? And and same with Undetected. And so the trick there is more about finding the people that that will like the same things as you. Because no one's like super, super niche where like, there's no one like me. You know, someone will like the same things as you. Yeah. They, they've seen similar movies when they were kids. They listen to similar music, something, you know? It is refreshing that given how... Uh, similar AAA games are these days. You know, I've heard a lot of people refer to the big Sony titles sort of as like walkie-talkies, you know? (laughs) Um, Oh, I like that. Clever. And when you go to the indie spaces, that's where the interesting stuff is happening. That's where people are getting down and dirty and are experimenting. And and that's where the fun is right now. In, in In the AAA space, it's just you know, plagued with remakes or more of the same. And it's very rare that you get something like, you know, Bloodborne that just mm-hmm. rips the entire scene open. You know, that that's that's one in a million. But indies, it's like every day somebody's got some new idea that they're toying with. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's more there. I I think that's also why I and I assume you <laughs> everyone here loves Kojima because he does whatever he wants and he doesn't care and so his his game is about delivering packages and and that's it and he commits and he does it and and yeah one of the the characters says like hi i'm princess beach 
and, and he doesn't care, you know. And, yeah. And, For better and he or worse, care, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And 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 I think that's how indies are more like since there's less risk in the in the sense that there's not millions of dollars invested. Uh, you're more open to just saying like, and also to stand out, right? Since you can't do AAA, you gotta be different and weird and 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 just take risks. Yeah. So that's where all the experimentation is happening. So um, kind of going into having that ownership of your the direction of your game. Um, one thing that I do appreciate, and I, I would love for you to get into now, um, is sort of the Mexico Mexican representation and and undetected the location, the character. Um, you know, was that sort of a personal touch for you, uh, or was that just sort of where your location felt like more per felt most appropriate for the plot? Like what, what inspired you to kind of take, take undetected home? Yeah. So, so part of it is I, I wanted to, and I still want to make games that have something Mexican in them first, because it's different. Like you don't see that very often also because it's me and it's what I know. And it's easier to make things about what you know, mm -hmm. but also, yeah. And also representation, like to me, it's, it's not, the most fun to see that I can only be a luchador, a mariachi mm -hmm. or, or, or a narco, you know? Yeah. Like I want, what if I want to be snake or I want to be the witcher or whatever, there should be a Mexican one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so that's, but I was scared. And the first sketches I have of the character, he, he's white and he has a bandana and he's just snake with metal arms. And, and a few of my friends said like, no, just do it. Just make him Mexican and like set it in Mexico. Don't be scared. People, and, and it's the same thing. No, people will understand like, cause I was thinking of a brother, brother, uh, appeal. And so, yeah, white, white character and whatever. And it was like, no, no, no. If you make it different, if you make it your own voice, it will feel more honest. Right. It's, mm -hmm. it's not a, it's not you trying to be something, but it's, it's just like, I'm telling you what I know, what I feel. And so that's why I I said, okay, let's go full in. And it happens in Mexico. And a few of the characters are Mexican. And some scenes are in Spanish when two Mexican characters talk to each other and there's no one else around, you know, just make it in Spanish and add subtitles. And, and, and yeah, at first I was really scared and I was like, oh, and I'm going to get a bunch of trolls. And like, and I did get a few comments were like the woke game or whatever. Mostly from people who assumed I was white and from the U.S. or from Europe, and they were like, "How come you made them Mexican?" I'm like, "No, I'm Mexican too." I'm fucking from Mexico. <laughs> like, like you said, this is this is what I know. Like that's a perfect. Yeah, way of, yeah, yeah. And this and is what so, I know, and this is what I want to do. Aha, uh aha. -huh, uh -huh, that's that's just. It's, I start as soon as I changed to that, I started feeling passionate about it, and I started like reading you know, history and geography of Mexico. And I was like, oh, I remember this from school and this and that. And so the ideas started flowing. And so I, I knew it was the right way to go. And 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 it went so well and people were, so in general, like people liked that part of it. So I'm just going to keep doing it in future games. You know, it's, it gives me my own voice and, and my, like, you know, if someone's like, oh, you just covered Metal Gear. And I'm like, well, this is different in the gameplay, but now this is also different in the story and the characters and it's just, it's just something else. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I also snort laughed when I saw Mexican extreme. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I, I always, uh, 
I mean, if you don't know why it's called European Extreme, it's just weird. I always thought like, why? I just thought at first it was just some Kojima thing where he wanted yeah. to call it that. Uh, it was because Europe got the game later and he wanted to put in something uh, as sort of a, you know, sorry for making you wait. Mm -hmm. Here's a special thing. Yeah, yeah. And and so I, I added uh -huh, Mexican Extreme. Uh, <laughs> the, I was going to say that the other thing I drew from my own experiences is that time of when I was making the game, I was really angry at the company I used to work for and like my boss and all that. And so I also put that in the game, right? I was just like, okay, the bad guy is a company and the main character is an ex-employee who's angry and like, you know, sort of drawing from, from real life. And I think that also helped make it more authentic and, and helping me, you know, like, like we were talking about earlier, it's hard to make a game on your own. So you need all the mo motivation that you, you can have. There's people who can take four or five years and not give up and they just make a great massive game i can i know i can't stay i cannot stay uh motivated for that long but i said okay i can like a year if i'm really passionate about the the story so that's why also why i went like full mexico full anti anti-corporate and and all that yeah it's cool to hear that the the story is so well informed by like your own experiences in your real life um, I'm looking forward to getting into getting into it, knowing that. Yeah, please. And also, I appreciate the use of um, of Chicxulub as a as a dinosaur nut. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I actually had a, a end of credits cutscene, like like a call sort of. Uh, how they have Ocelot call people. Should we should we spoiler the... warning this or? No, 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 because I cut it and it's not in the game, but it had something to do with like time travel and dinosaurs and all that. And it, it just got too weird and I canceled it. But yeah, I love dinosaurs also. And that's why I made the, the creator, uh, like the game set in that area with the creator. Yeah. That's awesome. What I'm hearing is there's a missing chapter. So I'll know that when I get to the end. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, no, no. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Kingdom of the dinosaurs. No, no, no. Dude, no joke. I'd play the heck out of that. that, that that's the, yeah. That, that, honestly, I'm 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 curious to know how weird it got because I, I don't know if you remember like Tenchu Wrath of Heaven. That they, they had yeah, a whole course, level yeah. where you go to the future and it's ended yeah. up like a secret secret level, but you fight guys with guns and stuff. And that that game got super weird at the end. And I I like that that game is stuck in my brain forever because of that. Dude, like every Tenchu game just got super weird at the end. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this one was something like, so this is not spoilers. The game happens at this power station that's powered by this sort of like gravitational anomaly. I got that from real life, but also because I love the TV show Lost and they have something like that too. And so the game before, this, do this doesn't happen now, but before it would end with like the bad guy going through the portal thing and landing in the you know in dinosaur times time traveling that's all gone it's not that crazy but <laughs> i do want like one thing i do i don't regret but when i do more of is yeah get weird like how nitrid was saying with indie games it's fine to, or even encouraged to get weird and so uh, for future ones i think i'll just you know turn that up to 11. it can be just so so memorable it'll stick with you forever if you're invested in a game and then it goes somewhere completely, completely alien, it's it's awesome. Yeah, Campbell and MMGS two 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That sort of stuff just sticks to you forever. Embrace the weird for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's it's so cool that you did your research on that, too, because, you know, I, I know a lot. it's not exactly popular knowledge, but 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 Chicxulub was so big. And so for, for anybody who doesn't know, it's the asteroid that is presumed to have killed the dinosaurs or led to, you know, their death ultimately. And mm-hmm. when it struck, it actually created a gravitational anomaly it was it it hit so hard Mm -hmm. so that's that's really cool do you think it's crazy nitroid that we went from a species that got wiped out by meteors to us like actually intentionally taking our satellites and throwing them at meteors (laughs) running shit into them yeah (laughs) which was the coolest thing i've ever seen by the way that's yeah (laughs) it's called revenge Yeah. Right? <laughs> Humans are eventual. Today we speak. strike back. Take that. Dude, I can't get over the NASA scientist being interviewed and like slipping in an Armageddon quote. What? Yeah, they didn't want to miss a thing. <laughs> yeah, he's he was talking well, I guess it wasn't an Armageddon quote as it's as it is. He was the, the lyrics from the song, yeah. Aerosmith, uh, yeah. Yeah, so during the mission they were talking about like why not just blow up an asteroid? Why do you want to push it? And he was saying, like, you know, because when you blow it up, you get a lot of pieces and moving it in one piece makes, sh- you know, make sure that that you get everything. Because with something this important and it just like immediately if you went on Twitter, everyone's like, he said the thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. He knew what he was doing. Oh, yeah. And he didn't crack a smile. It was totally deadpan. But that oh, man wow. knew what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> You love to see it. So uh, I guess uh, I don't know if you can say anything, but like what's what's next for you? Yeah, you've been tweeting about like this third game. <laughs> Project Ass. <Yeah>. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 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 working title when you start a project. Yeah. When you start a project <laughs> in Unreal Engine, it asks you for a title and you can't change that title. And so Undetected says Project S.A.R., which is still Action Revival. And so for this one, it's ASS. Well, I don't want to say what it is yet. Um, I've been actually making it for more like five, six weeks. Uh, but I, I can't post a lot about it until Undetected has like died down because we still got to keep, you know, promoting that. And there, there will be console versions of it. So I don't want to spoil it too much. But but I've been showing that. I, I also, yeah, it's a stealth game. I wanted to do one last stealth game before I go try other genres or weirder things. And so I will try this one, which is like, uh, no, I don't want to say. Uh, I just hope people want to yeah. follow me and, and, and you know, just keep checking. I, it, it won't be long before a trailer. I think uh, maybe November, December, we'll have a trailer. And oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. One thing is that I like, you know, the games that I make are small and simple-ish because I want to... Since I'm a solo developer, I have to release games constantly so that I can have, you know, income. And and because now I'm doing it full time after Undetected, I moved to doing it full time. And so, and so, yeah, I think my development times can be at most a year max. And so this one, I don't think it'll take a year, but maybe we'll release yeah, next summer. And so this one also, I'm working with a few other people. Uh, I'm you know, character artist, uh, concept artist, uh, stuff like that. And, but I don't want to spoil it. So it, I'll just say it's still, it's, it's different than the other two that I've made. And, and I hope, uh, 
people are interested enough to go and check it out. I'm also going to start doing, I did a couple of YouTube videos for Undetected, uh, but now I'm going to start being regular on YouTube. So I'll post, you know, updates on how, how I'm making it, what's in it. And, and the other last thing I want to do is I want to release it early in some form, like free publicly, not early access, but something like that where people can play it and test it. Cause I, that has been my number one lesson with stealth games is I need a lot of testing with people who are bad at stealth games, who are good, who are medium, who are good at finding bugs, who are, you know, all kinds of people to get broader opinions. Cause I feel like I'm too biased now by having played so many stealth games and I'm not as good as, 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 uh, at them as any speedrunner or whatever, but, but I, it's, it still like sort of blinds you and, and something like with undetected, it happened a lot. Something that I take for granted that people understand, like, yeah, obviously if you're, you know, under the, the shadows, you're harder to see or, or, or like, uh, if you wait a while, the guards will go back to patrol. A lot of people don't, don't take that for granted. And so, uh, I want this new game to be like played by more people so I can really polish it and make it, uh, like like a, a welcoming stealth title is what I want to call it. Like that people will will be will want to play it even if they don't like stealth games specifically. That's awesome. That's uh, something that happened with Unmetal. Uh, the guys from Unmetal came to the Metal Gear Speedrun community and they 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 gave a bunch of people copies of the game, like version one point and they ripped that game to shreds. Like people ripped it to shreds, and <laughs> like so many bugs were found. Like people, there was like item duplication glitches. Like ton tons of stuff. There was a way like you're not supposed to be able to kill anyone, and we found a way to kill a boss lethally, and like, like you weren't supposed to. And it, it there was like nine version patches released after, like just after the game came out. And I honestly think that we improved the experience for like the casual player massively because the game on easy was far too hard it was like way way too hard and i think that's the same thing that happened with you is because you you design the game you place all the enemies you you know what they're going to do you mm-hmm. become kind of blind to how hard it is for someone who who doesn't know it i i had that i didn't know that but i had that experience i played on metal like the first time and i was like damn this is extra hard and then i left it for some reason, I like I was busy on something, and I came back like a month or two after, and it was like a different game, and it was much more fun. And that game super polished, also like, but I didn't know they did that. That's great. Yeah, it was a it was it was a cool experience, and and definitely, you know, I'm not I'm not going to tell you how how to, how to live your life or what to do with your game, but like get, <laughs> getting people like <laughs> like speedrunners involved and and giving them a chance to look at your game, like. You know they're not they're not your free QA testers. Obviously, if they're if they're interested in playing your title, then they will help you. Like yeah, 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 yeah. We um, I think yeah. On that note, I think Apache needs to get some sort of like liaison with Capcom. Just I spent all week watching him oh, get like no hit on Resident Evil Two Remake. Shit is insane. Yeah, no, that's my, uh, that's my current obsession. Like, I, I can't put it down. I've played, like, 80 hours in the past two weeks, so I'm, like, yeah, that's... That, I'm obsessed with it. Some Someone saved me from this game. <laughs> but I did just get undetected, and I've just I've just finished installing it, so... 
I will be checking that out. Oh God, I'm nervous. <laughs> Dude, you blow my mind with how you do this stuff. I, I, I struggled to just complete the fourth Survivor in RE2 Remake. Is that the gas station one? That's the that's the one where you play as Hunk. Oh, you, yeah. ha- you start in the sewer and you got to work your way up to the streets. Oh, hell yeah, that one's sick. Yeah, it's fun. But, you know, I'm... Yeah, I'm not good at that. <laughs> That's the thing. No, if I if I if I if I like the way a game plays, if I if I if I really enjoy the gameplay, then everything else like in life just gets thrown out the window, and I just need to play it constantly. Um, and people keep talking about, oh oh, are you going to speedrun this game? It's like maybe you know, five hundred hours down the line, maybe like speedrunning is kind of something you do at the end, right? You play you play a game, you enjoy it, you play the story watch the cutscenes, you get immersed in the in the details of it, and then you think like, oh, can I do it on the hardest mode? You do it on the hardest mode, and then you for me I like to then set restrictions and once once like have like a once I've like done everything the game has then it's and I still want to play it, it's like what else can I do? I have to speedrun it now. But I, I it's not something I'm I'm gonna start with. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick up your game and and be like, oh, what what what's the fastest time I can get? I'm d- I'm just gonna play it like a like yeah. pretend to be normal. So, it does raise a question though, because I have seen some developers try to lean into speedrunning with their games and make them more speedrun friendly. But you know, in some cases, what ends up happening is it it feels very artificial to run a game. Like I'll give I'll give you an example of of this. Um. In in Super Metroid, when you sequence break, it really feels like you're doing something that you shouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. But in in Metroid Dread, uh, if I remember right, the developers were talking about how they tried to sort of bake in sequence breaking. But if you bake it in, it's not really sequence breaking. Because there, there's actually like exclusive cutscenes you can get if you sequence break. So is it really a sequence break? I, I, I don't think so. And I do think you see that more. But let's be real. Ghost Babble did it first with the thermal goggles. They, they baked in a sequence break and no one even noticed. And they even had a, you know, I've mentioned this on the show before. But like, if you skip the, the thermal goggles, you get them in a cutscene later. So it was always there, but no one knew because like, damn going through that 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 hole in darkness is impossible it's really really hard without like learning mm-hmm. how to do it with safe states um so what so what would your philosophy be just out of curiosity if let's say you know obviously you're probably still working on things you know if you if, i'm assuming like if you spot a bug you're gonna jump in and try and fix it and things like that but if you see like the speedrun community exploit something in the game is that something you would want to leave or something you would want to fix no, yeah, I would leave it. Like, in general, I leave things that don't affect most of the players, right? Or even if they affect them, that won't uh, ruin your experience of playing the game, right? So, so so if on your first play of the game, you didn't, your, your save didn't break or, like, you didn't get stuck or, like, your, it crashed or whatever, then I just... Leave it in same reason because it's just me, right? So if I sit there and fix bugs forever, I'm never gonna make another one. And so, I've, uh, if someone finds some some way of skipping levels in their fifth or a hundredth time they've played the game, I, I don't care. As long as their first play of it was fun and and no issues and and they just enjoyed it, then that's great. Yeah, I I just leave awesome. it. In. 
Yeah, and, and what you were saying is super true. I, I see a lot of developers who think of speedrunners as a, as a market. So they're not making a game for people. They're making one and they're thinking, I'm just going to make and sell it to speedrunners and tell them like, oh, there's some bugs there that you can use. Yeah, like, yeah, no, it's crazy. And I don't think that's good. Like that's, that's not genuine. I, I, I don't speedrun personally, but there's a, a lot of people in my Discord that do. Not just my games, just in general. And I, I see what, what Apache was saying and what you were saying. Uh, it's just you, you speed run because you enjoyed the game, right? And you played it and you're like, Oh, I actually just found something and you start finding more things or you learn from others who've done them, but, but not so much fake, like, cause I'm sure there's speedrunners who do it like that just to get the record for whatever game. They don't even like the game. They just see that, Oh, there's a record there. I can just get it. And, and, and yeah, so, so no, I just make the game and if someone speed runs it, that's great. Uh, for my, for my preview for the chameleon, I had a contest for speed running, but it was just fine bugs, right? Like it was just, <laughs> I, I specifically told them like the person, like if you find a bug, I'll give you, I don't know, five bucks, 10 bucks until you just a bunch of bugs. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'll you that's, more, <laughs> that's more like paying for, for QA basically, but. Like you said, speedrunners are great at that. And, and, but I wouldn't do it on purpose, you know, just to like, haha, I hope they get it. They speedrun my game because I left this in. Nah. So you are going to run a speedrun competition for Undetected, right? I read that. Right. But... Yeah. So, 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 so some of the people on my Discord are speedrunners and they enjoy the game. And some of them are even like the voices, the voice actors in my game also speedrun. And so, they were telling me like, Hey, let's do one. And, and so at first it was just going to be them in my discourse, like five people, but I thought like, okay, I'll just open it and, and put a price on it and, and that's it. But, but it's more because they were like already setting it up and, and, and they were interested in doing it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get like a price maybe in, you know, something reasonable, but <laughs> that sounds good. What, what them. will my prize be? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that the price will just be it's coming for it. Either a game or an Amazon card or something like that. You know, no, it's 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 just cool that, that that that's happening. It's cool to hear that there's there's people interested already. Um, I'm glad you're leaving it for a few weeks because obviously, like, you need to play the game first and and and, yeah. and experience the story. Obviously, that stuff comes later. But um, the, I mean, that speedrunning is great for the longevity of a game. I feel. Um, it, it, the, you know, having a core group of people that kind of never leave it and keep keep on playing it is is really cool. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that's a dream for for me. One of my dreams, but it's more like I a dream if it happens organically, right? Not if I'm pushing it, but if someone just picks it up and then another one's like, yeah. But that because that would tell me, yeah, my game's fun enough that they want to spend hundreds of hours just routing and learning the patterns and all that. No, so so on on the one hand you dream about it, but I don't want to fake it, right? If yeah. it happens one day, that's great. If not, there's these because these these people in my Discord, my friends that that want to speedrun it, they enjoy the game. They told me, but I also know because you know they're they're my friends and they they they're close to me that they're doing it. But if it blew up, for example, like Celeste or whatever, I would be so like so thrilled. Obviously, it's, you know it's a it has to happen organically. You can't fake it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for as you were saying, like some some developers, they try and kind of kind of bake it in, and, and I don't like that. But I mean, you know, John John Romero 
was just putting simple timers in his game at the end of each level. And, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, he was like the first person to say, like, the person who can complete the game the fastest is the best at it. Um, so I, re- I think there's ways of, like, putting it into the game, like, and, and allowing that to grow organically. Yeah. Uh, what else? Yeah, Kojima definitely did that with all the Metal Gear games, like <laughs> with all the ranking systems and all the different things. So, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, that's something as clever having the the rank at the end, uh, timer unlocking things also with the rank and just mm-hmm. extends the game. But yeah, we did have a question from one of our Patreon uh, supporters, uh, Token Flip Guy, was asking. Uh, when do you have like a rough release date for the console versions coming out or? No, no, I, I'm not sure, honestly. It's supposed to be late this year or early next one, but I can't gotcha. tell you, like, exact date. Yeah, I'm not sure. That that That's more on the publisher side. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, so not, not yet. I do have one last question. Uh, just, is there any detail or aspect of the, of the game that you are most proud of? Wow, good question. Uh, I mean, honestly, that I finished it and that it's out, that's... <laughs> Because that's such a big, yeah, you know, that's even fair, if I, that's fair. Yeah, even if I made one before, obviously I'm proud that I, a second one, that's, that's big, you know, but, but inside the game, I like, so I, I like the way the, uh, my alternative to the radar, which is I separated into three things. One is, uh, these sort of like off screen indicators that the enemies are there. The other one's the scout mode where the camera pulls up. I love the scout fire. mode. Uh, yeah, I haven't played a whole bunch, but the little bit that I've played, I love like hitting that button and then just like checking it out. Like the 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 visual of that and it turning oh, to yeah. red and stuff. I, I do love that. Well done on that. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm proud of that because to me, it's it's it makes the gameplay different and it separates. So so how I was saying, stealth games are about information and how yeah. you have more information yeah. than the enemies. And so in this case, I said, okay, I'm breaking up the information. The scout mode mostly tells you the layout of the level and where the enemies are, but it's slow motion, so you don't see their patterns. Then the other information is the off-screen indicators. They tell you where the enemies are moving, but you don't know what's there. You don't know if there's walls or anything. And the third one is just first person. I didn't come up with that, but but the idea of separating those, and it makes for a different flow of the game right mm-hmm. and 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 how you're gathering bits of information instead of having all the information at once you know in some modern games you even see through walls and you know where all the enemies are at all times so i like that that it, at least it was different i don't know if it's entirely successful with everyone some people like it some people well, want just the radar it's, it's uh-huh. really cool it's almost like it's like how snake eater you know like kind of stripped away the radar and mm-hmm. you know made it all these different little things instead of just like here's your cones like you know you, you had like the ap sensor and all these you know all the other different things going on that was it wasn't as yeah. uh comprehensive and just complete aha uh-huh. i like that it's not comprehensive how uh-huh. you, you got to gather bits of information from each of the systems. Mm-hmm. And also you'd never truly know. I like that tension of like, I'm going for it. I yeah. still, I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to get caught. So I like that. Yeah. And that, I like that on, on, you know, like either or even peace Walker, even if it's simple and easy that, that sort of like the radar is not clear. It's like fussy. Yeah. 
That's cool. Yeah. And, and some people are going to like prefer that, like that spoon fed radar too. like, yeah, like I, I know I always appreciate having it, but like, yeah, and, but it just, it just adds that extra <laughs> gameplay challenge, you know, of, of having to like gather all your information before making that move or, or risk getting caught. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm proud of that. And, and I also like, you know, the world and the characters, like it's simple and it's, you can see the influences, but I like this story, the, especially the main character. I'm proud of, because my goal was, like I said, you know, having a Mexican hero who's not a mariachi and not, well, narcos are not heroes, but you know, not a luchador, mariachi, whatever. Yeah. And so I'm proud of that part. I'm proud of, of, of the character and, and I, I like when people write me and say, oh, you know, that's cool that he's Mexican or he speaks Spanish in the cutscenes or he's brown or like, I don't know, things like that. I, I'm proud of that part, even if it's, I don't know, it's simple, but it's, 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 it was the goal, no? So, so it's, I'm happy that, that it's out there. And completely authentic as well. He, 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 he's a real, real, real character you made. He, he's not like a, despite what some shit critics will say on Steam, he's not, he's not there to fill a box. He's there because you wanted him to, 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 to yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, that's, exactly. that's really awesome. And, yeah, and and even the the voice is not like, because I, I also got messages like, how come the voice is not like David Haters or or something like that? I'm like, well, Do you know how much David Hater costs? <laughs> <laughs> also, that first of all, that and second, he's not Snake. You know, it's something else. And so I'm proud that at least people su- are seeing through that and they're like, yeah, I accept him as the new. As this new guy that I play as, and I don't mind if it's not Snake, and it's all good. That's awesome. I hope more people can kind of like, you know, look at a game for like what it is instead of like just coming up with this false expectation of what they want it to be and then judging it for not being that thing that they made up in their head. It's like, well, I, well, I wanted it to be Metal Gear with, you know, but like you're doing your own thing, you're, you're making art, and it's really cool. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully more people can can play it and uh, check it out and, you know, just take it in for what it is. And uh, yeah, if people want to check out Undetected, it is on Steam. It's on GOG. Uh, what, what else do you have it on right now? It's on uh, Epic Games and yeah. Epic Games as well. Yep. And and coming to consoles as well soon. Uh, like you said, maybe the end of the year, maybe the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, sweet. I think I um, speak it, for everyone when I say we're all looking forward to seeing your ass. Yeah. <laughs> Project <laughs> ass coming out. Yeah. I hope once you see my ass, you invite me again. Absolutely. Oh, Lord. Thank you for having me. This is really fun, honestly. Yeah, man. And if uh, if people want to check you out online, on, on you're, you're on Twitter as well. If you want to you know, plug your Twitter, you can go ahead with that. Yeah, so it's Merlino underscore games uh, on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all, all have the same one. Uh, yeah, if you can join us, if you're interested more, you can join our Discord. The link is on my Twitter because we're talking about Undetected, about Metal Gear, about stealth games in general. Uh, and I also have more about my ass, <laughs> my project <laughs> ass <laughs> on the Discord that is not on Twitter yet. So I post <laughs> post things there, there first, and then I share them on Twitter later. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> thanks again so much, Antonio, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. 
It seems like brain structure is improving. I'm very happy that they are improving. I'm a little biased because I, the last episode was with Jordan Peele. As folks have probably seen, I'm like obsessed with the film Nope. But he had a pretty interesting conversation with Peele because it was more of like a one-on-one -on -one conversation that was facilitated by Jeff Keighley. Um, brain was out of the picture. Thank uh, God. Which is a noticeable, yeah, yeah, a noticeable improvement. Yeah, the switch up in like flow here has been like a huge thing where it's like, okay, and, and I have it on good authority. I'm not going to go into it, but the, the show is being addressed by top men. Uh, <laughs> they're going in and, you know, really just, Telling them, hey, we gotta, we gotta fix this, and um, it's apparently being worked on. They're, they're kind of making adjustments. Kojima hasn't really been happy with it. Who's working on it now? Top men. So aside from the the sound quality, I mean, the content and the conversations themselves were great. Like, yeah, the last four episodes. I'm sorry, three episodes felt like a serious conversation on the topic of sort of like this one to one serious conversation. Um, one thing that Peel and I won't, you know, I don't want this podcast to become like the brain structure summary podcast. Um, but one thing he's that he's got I, his own show. Yeah. The one thing that I did love was that Peel was like, look, we need to talk about fortune for a little bit, yeah. which makes a lot of sense because the guy, his production studio is named Monkey Paw Production. Um, you know, Nope goes into this concept of like a spectacle or I think. Um, one of the characters uses the term a bad miracle. Um, and a lot of those concepts that Peel, you know, a, a puts in his films and, and ideas, um, I can see it. I can see how fortune would have resonated with him. Um, he also made a comment that was like, you know, my films are inspired for, or my films are made for the kids who can't get tickets to get into the R rated movie, but they sneak into the theater to see it anyway. Uh, Kojima laughed, um, but it almost reminded me of, you know, playing Metal Gear Solid 1 as a kid and being influenced by that. Um, so I could I could see a lot of alignment there as well. Um, and again, you know, not going to like get too in depth and play like the brain structure recap. But if this is the kind of content that we should anticipate, like I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and Jordan Peele part two is tomorrow. Um, yeah. So. Oh, and another great thing uh, during that conversation that was brought up, too, you've gotten the notes here. Uh, you know, they're talking about you take these insane ideas and then you ground them, you know, and, and mm -hmm. that, that's really like the hard part with a lot of this like writing stuff. You know, it's 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 like, how do you tie this back to reality? Right. Like it's one thing to I think Jordan Peele said something like it's one thing to, you know, go crazy with these ideas, but it's another thing to give them sort of like a human element where the audience relates. Yeah. I think it was also pretty cool that he had Mamoru Oshii on, which is just that that had to have been. I know they've known each other for a long time, but I also know Kojima looks up to him, um, which if you're unfamiliar, he's a pretty prolific director, uh, most well known for directing the original Ghost in the Shell. So there's a little bit of that influence in Metal Gear. I don't know if you've noticed, <laughs> you know, so that was it's cool hearing them sort of, you know, go back and forth. And you could tell Kojima was having a really good time. It was just kind of funny where where they just sort of nonchalantly drop how. I guess Oshi was in the U.S. and was like, hey, Kojima, why don't you come on? We're going to go shoot guns with James Cameron. 
And uh, what? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> I was trying was to like, remember if it. it was John Carpenter or James Cameron. I mean, both images in my head are great. Yeah, right. But, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna pretend. It's think about the South Park episode with James Cameron. He's the greatest pioneer. <laughs> James Cameron does what James Cameron does because James Cameron, James Cameron is it's James Cameron. Cameron. <laughs> To be completely honest, though, he is doing quite a bit for for deep sea research. I mean, we saw him raise the bar. Sorry, I'm, I'm done with the South Park references. Uh, but uh, speaking of low standards, rest in peace, Google Stadia. Yeah. <laughs> oh God! I, I'll be honest, right? I, I honestly, one hundred percent thought that it was already dead and that it died ages ago. I didn't know it was nope. still going. That was the most shocking thing about the the announcement that Stadia's dying. There was a developer who released a game the day they announced that Stadia was being shut down. There's a developer that was supposed to release a game months after Stadia was shutting down. <laughs> Oof. At least at that point, you can sort of, you know, switch gears but yeah at that you know i hope they're getting reimbursed i mean that's yeah i mean that's like such a mess like i mean just yeah. developers like literally working on stuff still and be like oh y'all canceled it like fuck could have told us we would have maybe stopped working on this game <laughs> like that's doing mean, a couple months and like crunch time like i don't know it's, it's really shitty how that all kind of unfolded at least people got refunds though yeah but how many of them really were there yeah you know <laughs> Like, look, it is so easy to talk shit about Stadia at this point. You know, like Stadia is one of those things where anybody who supported it either had a vested interest in it or a complete inability to read the room. Because nobody liked it. Yeah, I at the same time, I guarantee you it's the future of gaming. Obviously oh, not Stadia, I know you're but right. that, that technology is, nope. is going to be where nope. we're all at. We are not going to have our own PCs in our homes. We're not going to have our own components. It's all going to be rented. I'd put money on it. It's, yeah, because, and, and here's the thing, you know. Yeah, you're, exa you're exactly right. Um, streaming technology, they're going to keep pushing it on us because they know how much, uh, they know how effective it is for, for you know, just, TV shows, movies, that kind of thing. Yeah. And the technology is there to make it work well enough for games. I still think it's garbage. Uh, and anybody, look, any any attempt to sell game streaming technology is going to be sold to people as a step forward, as an innovation, as an improvement, as the as the logical next step. And it is all a lie. Yeah. It is a lie. Don't believe it. It is 100% about companies keeping control of their customer base and their products. They don't want you to own anything because once they sell you something, they don't have rights to it anymore. With, a, with something that is streaming, they have total control over it and you own nothing. Yeah. Don't 
buy it. I mean, you're even seeing that in like the different like the creative sectors. I mean, like I know with <laughs> Adobe and all the different you know Photoshop yeah, and like subscription. With, well, yeah, mu- yeah, music production God. has even shifted to it where like they're selling music in general access <laughs> like, to different <laughs> plugins and shit for like subscription models. And I, I mean, I hate it. I had a surgery on the 14th, and when I came to like the second thing I found out was that Adobe bought Figma. And I could feel oh. my, vi- I could hear my vital machine go off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that didn't trigger an antitrust lawsuit, considering that they're the biggest two names in that industry for that type of product, right? They're they're direct competitors. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, I, it, obviously, but like it you're right it's everywhere i mean one of the more popular photoshop alternatives is a piece of software called clip studio paint and they announced a second version i'm going i'm going from memory i might get some details wrong but uh the 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 short of it is that they're switching from a purchase model to a subscription model and their entire user base just went nuts because of how angry they were at this and yeah they're going to charge for updates and like it's just yeah, I mean, there. if you look at, I, I cannot tell you how many pieces of software that I've seen, many of which I personally use, have gone to subscription models. And if you look at what they offer through subscription models, there is zero benefit to it. There is zero necessity to it. It is yeah. there entirely to keep a steady stream of passive income. They say you get updates, but they were giving you updates before, so this is not a good deal. Yeah. Stop supporting this model. I will go back. I will fucking go back. I'd be happy to go back to like the yearly license. Like if if I need the update, I'll buy the license for the update. Otherwise, you know, I'll just stick with my like Photoshop fucking CS6. Fuck it. Uh, You know who got fucked over by Stadia 2? This is cracking me up. I'm sorry. So we found out like post-mortem that uh, Phil Harrison personally canceled a Kojima game for the Stadia. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was supposed to be, from, my, from our understanding, it was supposed to be a episodic horror game that was a bit of a Death Stranding follow-up in a sense that it had that uh, asynchronous type multiplayer thing going on for it. Uh, a few months ago, this aligns with... Uh, Something Kojima said a few months ago in which he was like, I had a game that was suddenly pissed off or I had a game that this was like, what, two years ago? I had a game that I was working on and then suddenly got canceled and I got real pissed off. Uh, And then, of course, folks, you know, took that took that quote and they made it about Silent Hills. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it turns out the game was supposedly the game that Phil Harrison and by extension, like, guess Google had canceled. So I wonder if it's dodge the bullet there, Mr. Kojima. Because there wasn't a market for single player games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the logic yeah. that there wasn't a market yeah. for single player games. Jeez. So I wonder if that's going to be reworked and maybe that's the, the Microsoft thing. I'm wondering that, too. It's that's that's a good way to kind of deduce it, which it, it it's a good like connection but at the same time it's like okay this is a great piece of evidence that cloud gaming is just it's it's not the move and and now one of kojima's next projects is the cloud gaming project so 
Yeah. Doesn't quite inspire hope, but... Nope. It just depresses me every single time. And I mean, all you need to know about the state of, of gaming in the larger commercial sense is... Uh, I mean, if you want the best example of sort of the decadence of it all, uh, take a look at um, any physical release of a game that is just a case with a redemption code in it and no actual disc, uh, which I, I know there was one. There's one coming up soon. I can't remember what it is, but they're but they're doing this and a lot of people are pretty angry about it. Like you're just like wasting material at that point. You're just taking up room on my shelf. There's nothing there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly. That's one of my biggest grievances is you open up a, a CD case and it's like a, it's a code. Yeah. I remember uh, my first. I remember the first time I encountered that uh, was when they re-released Marvel versus Capcom 2 for PS3. And I was so mad. Because like that's a at the time that was a really expensive game to get a hold of, and the fact that it was getting a re-release um, was a huge deal. Like copies of that game for like PS2 or Xbox went for like over a hundred dollars, and then they're like, "Hey, we're gonna re-release it on PS3, and it's like thirty bucks, uh, and you can go get it in stores." And then you open the case, and it's just enter this code on the PlayStation Network, and ah. yeah, still got that. So unsatisfying. It's a waste. Why do it? Yeah. There there is one uh instance of this that I will kind of give a pass to. Um and it's the uh the Yakuza remastered collection. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. Mm -mm. So if you got the 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 collection like the physical version and and I do, it's for PS4, but it has inside uh a Yakuza 5 PS3 case. Reason being, uh, because 5 was never localized for the PS3 and there was no case for it. So for people who had that empty spot on their shelf, they put the case in so that you could ah, have it. Okay. Which I thought was kind of a nice touch. Yeah, that's cool. And and keep in mind, it's a PS4 game, so it's it's literally there just to look just to make your shelf look nice. I can support that. So that's cool. But every everything else can can go to hell. Everything else can go to hell. <laughs> it's if, okay. Look, if if we're gonna talk about how shitty the gaming industry is right now, uh, can we talk about how there is news about a remake of Horizon Zero Dawn? Oh man, yeah. That game's not even old. Okay, so I want to be devil's advocate for a second on this one, which I know is strange, but I think this is actually a weird inversion of journalist behavior. Now, I might be wrong about this, and anyone listening can feel free to correct me, but from as much information as I've been able to collect, and there's not a lot, you know, it's mostly just hearsay and rumor, right? But what it seems like is being done is not a remake, but just like a PS5 uh, sort of version of the game where they improve things and make it run better and, and stuff like that, which we've seen with other games. Yeah. And that's no big deal, but it seems like the gaming outlets are well aware of the fact that there is sort of a remake fatigue going on. Mm -hmm. And so they've grabbed onto the story and have twisted it into they're remaking it. Can you believe it? And so they're harvesting hate clicks out of what is essentially an exaggeration. 
I haven't clicked on any details of any articles yeah. on anything, but yeah, I, I've seen exactly what you're referring to. I think of just people being like, "Oh man," and like, yeah, just uh, drumming up some drama, just like, "Oh, they're seriously doing this." Yeah, like, come on, that guy so, just came out. So that I think, if for lack of a better way to put it, I think that is going to be the new game journalist meta: yeah. is not drumming up interest in hypothetical remakes because they know people aren't buying it anymore, <laughs> but in capitalizing on the outrage over remakes. Oh my god, they're biting our style! Holy shit! Yep. <laughs> so brace for it because that's what's next. Do we? Uh, do we want to cover this? Um, this this Silent Hill listing because. Admittedly, I kind of want to cover this just because of the developer, yeah, yeah. but uh, so yeah, like there was a listing um, for a Silent Hill, the short message um, from the uh, Game Rating and Administration Committee of Korea was rating a Silent Hill, the short message developed by Uniana. Am I pronouncing this right? Sounds right um, to me. All right, well, we're going to assume this is right, and then somebody can yell at me of the comments if not. But um, Uniava, it's very situa- very interesting situation that, you know, the, this is the name that sort of comes up beside this rating on this Korean rating board. Um, and the reason I say that is because I'm coming at it from a rhythm game perspective. Uniava's big sort of repertoire, it looks like, just from their website, um, is, you know, sort of Konami arcade games, including but not limited to, uh, you know, the latest iterations of DDR, um, Juby Avenue, the, the the cube game, as I like to call it. Yeah, Juby's sick. God, I fucking love Juby. Um, they have Juby at MAGFest, by the way. Um, da- Dance Rush Stardom, if you've seen that, it's like... Um, Where the floor is like, the floor is like a treadmill. Yeah. That's Dance Rush Stardom, right? Yeah, and yeah, it's like yeah. all colored... And it's not right. it's not like pads that you press on, like all the floors interactive. It's it's yeah, it's very like I don't want to say abstract, but it's it's less like it, it, the, the 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 gaming aspect is less rigid than um, from my understanding, less rigid than your typical like press one of these four buttons in a rhythm game. Anyways, the reason why I'm saying all this is because the games that Uniava Uni, Uni makes aren't exactly conducive to Silent Hill. I don't see Dance Rush Stardom and think, you know, these are the folks that I want to see make Silent Hill. Um, Oh, also, they had Metal Gear Solid 5 and Metal Gear Solid Survive listed on their repertoire or on their portfolio. I don't know what that was about. I tried Googling Uniana Metal Gear Solid 5, and, like, the only thing that I could really parse from that was that Apache's Twitter came up on the the first page. (laughs) Because I'm the leading source of information on them. Yeah. So, uh, it's, I don't know. I'm sure there's some folks who have more info about it than I do at this point. But as a, as a rhythm gamer, it, it definitely, you know, piqued my interest. So, Silent Hill it's, rhythm game? I fuck with it. There was a Silent Hill, like, the Silent Hill 3 theme song was in DDR. And they even had, like, in the background video when you played the step chart. It had uh, it had Heather singing along, so it's not unprecedented. To be completely honest, I don't know a lot about Uniana, but they are uh, 
for the most part, a publisher, which means that they're probably not going to do much in the way of development. And what this sounds like to me, if we take it at face value, is that somebody on their end uh, got a little trigger happy with filing. And that's why the entry showed up. I do not know how um, the rating system works in Korea. Maybe there is a requirement for things to, sh to, to be done well in advance of a game actually being released. And that's why it shows up early. Or maybe they just filed it too early. You know, it's, it's hard to say. But I, I have noticed that when games are leaked in advance through these sort of ratings, it almost always seems to come out of Korea. So maybe there is a time requirement that other countries don't have. I don't know. I, I, if somebody knows, please, you know, reach out and, and and and, you know, tell us a bit more about this. But uh, it's it's funny, like this is this is the first thing. uh in a long time that actually seems legitimate, I guess. <laughs> I think, yeah, it could be something to do with Silent Hill, but I don't think it's what people want it to be. Oh, probably not. No, it might, it, for all we know, it could be a mobile gotcha. Yeah. I mean, Which, that, if that's what it ends up being, you can blame me. I mean, Juniana Point pushes tons of stuff like that. This news just made me want to go to round one and <laughs> pop a few quarters in the in the arcade rhythm game machine. So, I mean, there is a Silent Hill arcade. Man, that's a deep cut, huh? Um. Oh, they also did Soundboard. They also, I guess, they published these then, like Sound Vortex, Juby Avenue. They were more in the publishing and the development, and I'm assuming Nitroid. It seems like that. It seems like they're, they're, they handle everything in Korea for the publishing of those games. Yeah, so Konami makes the games, or whoever they hire makes the games, and then when they need to publish them in Korea, uh, Uniana does the work of making sure it's it's able to be published there. You know, because yeah, different cause... countries are going to have different requirements and different restrictions, etc. Yeah, because the actual games that they've made are really bad. Like, they made a couple <laughs> of absolutely tragic MMOs, which never saw the light of day, but they were, like, typical Korean MMOs full of microtransactions, cartoony... Uh, what's, the, what's, like, the art style called? Like, the the childlike art style that a lot of those MMOs have? They're, they're just really bad games that never saw the light of day, so... Like the, like the chibi stuff? Yeah, chibi, like yeah, very, chibi. very childlike girls and stuff in MMOs. Just honestly, just Google the company and just have a look at the games that they've actually made for themselves. They, they, they made one like called LAF, like Lawyer Something Forces. It was awful. And they made one about pirates, which sucked. Neither of them ever went past beta. Oh, dear. Yeah. But I'm sure they've. I'm sure they're fine. They're a fine publisher. Like I'm sure if Konami's making the game, and they're publishing it. It'll be fine. You know, GB is huge. DDR is huge. Yeah, and the fact that it's not, you know, it's an associate of Konami and not a branch of Konami, you know, makes it uh, more plausible that they would make a mistake like this. But again, but again, maybe it's just a a, a legal thing. So I don't know. Uh, but it's the the smoke is getting thick, yeah. so maybe we should start looking for a fire soon. 
If we look at Kojima's Twitter, we see questions like who. Who? And now apparently where is the next question? So so what's the next event he's going to show up at, I guess, is the is the question. So I guess the actual next question is when. When's Jeff Keighley's next thing? Yeah. Hmm. It's probably going to be at the Game Awards. Are we going to get a DEFCON uh, 2 or 1 at least? Yeah, I think so. Because he's been talking about wanting to travel more and go to events, and he was excited about being able to actually visit TGS. So, uh, and it looks like the Game Awards, uh, this next one coming up will be the first one uh, in a while, you know, post-Fox Die, that'll actually have uh, a live audience. And what did we just see recently that was talking about? Uh, okay, yeah, I guess the, damn, the Game Awards is in December. Okay, that is closer yep. than I thought. So that is probably, oh, geez. So people, I mean, this is all speculation, but as I was looking up information on when the Game Awards was going to take place, I see a blog article where someone has jumped to this conclusion and has reported it as fact. Yeah, Game Revolution, on, I see it right here. Yeah, Shame Hid on you. Hideo Kojima teases new game reveal for the Game Awards 2022. You do not know that. I mean, they're probably right, but... But that's not the point. You don't <laughs> yeah, report exactly. yeah. speculation as fact. Even yeah. if it's 99.9% .9 likely, if you're not sure, don't do it. I mean, that's a clickbait headline, and you know it. Unfortunately, I clicked, so they got my ad money. Don't make my mistake. <laughs> I got my whole 30 cents. Got my whole 30 cents. <laughs> yeah, it, it does seem like all... Uh... All eras are pointing to that being the case with this, with the Game Awards and Kojima, you know, that being yeah. his next thing. So with, with yeah. yeah, with that being just a couple months away, that's with, I mean, there, there's no other event like <laughs> he sure, ain't going sure, to sure it's deductive, but it's like, <laughs> what else is there? I mean, E3 did announce that they're going to be a physical event again soon. And I'm yeah. just sitting here like, OK, I'll believe it when I see it. They said that last year or two i think yeah we're gonna be back if i recall but yeah okay well g4 said they were gonna be back too ha <laughs> g4 jesus r.i.p i don't know what they were thinking here like that business model was barely sustainable in 2004 let alone like yeah fucking when there's a million different competitors now yeah this is a different era yeah uh yeah it really doesn't make sense at all they're like what if we got a bunch of theater kids to <laughs> goof around and make a bunch of overproduced bullshit that has nothing to do with any of this stuff Ugh. theater kids and adam sessler i'm sorry but you can't subsidize g4 with a million episode of cops like you used to doesn't yeah. work <laughs> it uh they were not pulling in any money at all and it, it's so weird like seeing like just big networks like that fail like you know i mean that g4 was something i used to watch all the time on tv and now just to see them like yep just fumble the bag so hard it's like ah adapt or die that's kind yeah. of the kind of the way it goes like maybe if they made a sh maybe instead of a network if they made a show for a streaming platform they might have had a better shot you know yeah but yeah it, i don't know i mean the market is so different now that you've got to catch someone's attention in like 10 seconds or you're done. Yeah, that is what Antonio was kind of saying. Like, hey, you have to capture people. I mean, uh, pe people's attention spans completely are are, are just shot. Like, that must yeah. be real. Dude, like, it's <laughs> so, like, you go into, and we're kind of guilty about this too in a sure. way. 
But, you know, we go into these shows, you know, we go into these like game awards and these TGSs and like we see a game and everybody's initial reaction is like, for example, uh, if it has like dinosaurs, it's like, oh, is it Dino Crisis? Or like if it's like, uh, OK, to it. be fair, to be fair, that was uh, okay. That was Capcom okay, that, was bait that, and switching. I, and, I was yeah. really trying to avoid that one, but Cat <laughs> got my tongue because that was kind of a fucked up experience. But you know, we see sort of one trope or one element of a yeah. trailer that reminds us yeah. of an old series, and like we're instead of kind of taking in, you know, what's happening on our screen and sort of accepting it, we're like, our already already our brains are like, oh, is this a sequel to this game? Are they remaking this game? Is it this game? Like, yeah, we're fueling this. That's what we mentioned before on another episode. It's like that's kind of part of marketing. It's like, okay, well, how do we how do we describe this game? We'll tell them it's part this game and part the other game, you mm -hmm. know, and like combine those two. And it's you know, it's like a recipe of how much it is. And that's that's unfortunately like part of how you have to kind of let people know what you're doing. And and like he said, like Metal Gear was one of the games that he had to kind of refer to, and then people were expecting Metal Gear. They might have been disappointed, but if you kind of stuck around, you got to see what his vision was and what he was trying to do with his, you know, with his yeah. game. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to to see the the creativity still thriving underneath there. Yeah, the AAA industry is not, you know, that that side of the industry is not going to make very creative stuff very often because it just it doesn't the environment doesn't support that kind of thinking. You know, yeah. everything has to be made by committee. It's kind of the it's kind of the same thing with with like Disney and Marvel and Star Wars and all these things uh, becoming so similar to one another and so derivative because they know that derivative, while, you know, in many ways, creatively bankrupt is safe. Yeah. So you could you could never like a triple A developer is never going to make something like Undertale. I was thinking about Undertale when I was describing those limitations about like 8-bit and whatnot, because like that yeah. was that was one of the first games. Yeah, that was one of the first games where like I saw it and I was like, okay, this actually like aesthetically feels like an old game that I would use to play, which made some moments. No spoilers, even though the game is like eight years old or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't played it. But with modern sensibility. Yeah. Um, and kind of going to your... Um, you know, description about everything sort of following the same model Nitroid, not necessarily from a creative perspective, but more from a financial perspective. I feel like we're seeing that a lot with all the controversy with like Overwatch 2. Um, you know, a lot of the sort of controversies that they have had, to some extent they're pushing the boundaries of what a developer can do. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of an example here. Yeah, like, I'm. I'm kind of unfamiliar with what the deal is with Overwatch 2. I never I never really got uh, all that into the first one. So what what is sort of the gist of, of what's going on there? Uh, so I, I hope I can give this story, you know, the accuracy and justice it deserves. Um, but just to summarize, from my understanding, you know, Overwatch 2 was originally slated to be this sort of like PVE update to the game where, you know, they were adding sort of a PVE element, sort of felt like a co-op Saturday morning cartoon um, where you can, you know, level up your characters, modify them and, and talents and builds and stuff um, while still sort of having that PVE 66 uh, place that, you know, everybody knows and loves. Um, that strategy roadmap kind of changed over time. Um, 
Oh, also, it's kind of interesting that this concept about this concept, because that's sort of what the original iteration of Overwatch was, which is Titan. Um, but I, I won't get into that. Uh, but over time, since that announcement, which was, God, back in like 2019, um, the overall sort of roadmap and strategy for Overwatch has changed. Um, so it's gone from sort of a like a, a, a PVE expansion that you can sort of optionally purchase and participate in to a PVP update that everybody's being pushed towards, which means that you can't play Overwatch 1 anymore. And on top of that, the PVE is still delayed, but the PVP system has a new monetization model, which is less about the loot boxes and more about a very sort of tedious, strenuous battle pass grind. So they're aping Fortnite. uh, And maybe this is a dumb question, but what exactly is the difference between Overwatch 1 and 2 currently? So, um... <laughs> one exists? <laughs> is it is it literally, like, one number? They added a digit? It's No, it's it's not. Um, the game, Overwatch 1 was 6v6, two tanks, two DPS, two heals. Um, they've, and they, they try to make it more of, like, a role-based shooter, so, you know, tanks build, build space... Healers, you know, sustain, whereas, you know, DPS kind of focus on shooting and, and taking doing damage. Yeah. Um, this one is more focused on sort of the shooting and competitive element. It's now one tank, two DPS, two um, healers. Um, and it's no longer like a situation where you can like hide behind a tank shield, for example. So it's so more it's focused 5v5 on... 5v5 now? Yeah, it's five v five. So it's 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 more of like a, a it more fits into like the competitive shooter element than you know its previous sort of team. That sounds like the opposite of what Overwatch fans like. Admittedly, I don't know a lot about this game, but is that a fair assessment? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I would say you know it's it's interesting sort of seeing the reactions from the the fandom, right? Because there are some folks who. You know, they like the gameplay changes. Things feel, you know, a little, they feel like they have a little more agency with their character, um, that, you know, their DPS matters. It's not going to just get healed up or they're not just going to be shooting a shield for like 10 seconds. Um, and there's some folks who, you know, they're like, you know, the casual audience kind of carried Overwatch and then you sort of deny us. And now you're trying to make us play like a shooter like every other shooter. Um, but with that being said, you know, I think both of the parties are in alignment that uh, this monetization shit is like fucking insane. Um, like, for example, someone did the math. Uh, and if you're a brand new Overwatch 2 player, uh, it would take about $12,000 to purchase all of the previous Overwatch 1 cosmetics to catch up. Holy crap. Um, somebody also did the math um, where it was like, it takes like 11 straight weeks of doing weekly challenges to afford one legendary skin. Um, and, uh, you know, presumably the incentive is that, you know, folks don't want to grind out. They'll just buy the skins. Um, and then on top of sort of that monetization effort, some folks, you know, some of their uh, operational choices have been sort of suspect. Um, they require you to have a phone number associated with your account to play. 
Um, this is for both like anti-cheating and for um, preventing folks from building Smurf accounts or like accounts where their rating is a lot lower so they can play against players that they are a higher skill set against. Um, that being said, you know, it doesn't support all carriers. You can't use a Google Voice uh, like line, for instance. Oh, a lot of prepaid car- carriers yeah, are not you being got, like accepted. cricket wireless. Like, yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. What? Um, then uh, they followed like Valorant's model of sort of moderation, where if you get flagged multiple times for um, like offenses, um, then they'll start like recording your audio. Um, to review it um and this is just like kind of scratching the surface on a lot of these a lot of this news i'll be quite frank with you i haven't had a chance to play it between like final fantasy tuesday reset (laughs) playing undetected um and some other shit has anybody been able to log in like that's all i've been seeing is people and like oh can't log in like yeah right ddos like attacks and shit God, do y'all remember when back during the 360 days, there was an enormous controversy over the fact that you had to buy the horse armor in Oblivion? Do you remember this? Like we should have never bought that horse armor. We should have never bought the horse armor. Like, like and there I was didn't. utter outrage. I didn't either. Everybody else fucked up. <laughs> I, di- I didn't either. So so I'm, I'm exempt. Um, I got it for free with the game of the year edition. <laughs> It is funny, though, like Overwatch kind of does full circle. Like, I feel like they sort of started the ripple with um, with like loot boxes, for example. They sort of set the trend there. And then other folks, you know, leveraged that loot box, which led to the battle pass, which is now kind of circling back to Overwatch, though. And it's just so quaint to think about how mad people got at horse armor back in the day. And now here we are. We just we just. God, you just accept it. Mm-hmm. Like it's normal now. Like, oh, it's just cosmetic is is the is the claim now, whereas back in the day it was like, you're making us pay for cosmetics? Like totally just flipped on that. Yeah, Einstein's 2020, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>